You're listening to Scaling Up Services, where we speak with entrepreneurs, authors, business experts, and thought leaders to give you the knowledge and insights you need to scale your service-based business faster and easier. And now, here is your host, business coach, Bruce Eckfeld. Are you a CEO looking to scale your company faster and easier? Check out Thrive Roundtable. Thrive combines a moderated peer group mastermind, expert one-on-one coaching, access to proven growth tools, and a 24-7 support community. Created by Inc. award-winning CEO and certified scaling-up business coach Bruce Eckfeldt, Thrive will help you grow your business more quickly and with less drama. For details on the program, visit Eckfeldt.com slash Thrive. That's E-C-K-F-E-L-D-T dot com slash Thrive. Welcome, everyone. This is Scaling Up Services. I'm Bruce Eckfeldt. I'm your host. And our guest today is Tim Spiker. He is founder at The Imperio. He's a leadership advisor and author. We're going to talk to him about the work that he's doing to help leaders manage their businesses, step up, be better leaders, get out of their own way. So many things that I think get in the way of organizations, and one of the biggest ones is leadership. So I'm excited to talk to Tim about this. I think it's a really important topic. I think we've got a lot of need for leaders, for leadership in our world. So I'm excited to uh, hear what he has to say and hear what he does and and how he does it with uh, the people he works with. So with that, Tim, welcome to the program. Bruce, thanks for having me. Looking forward to visiting with you and your audience. Yeah, well, thank you for taking the time. I appreciate it. Yeah. Let's do a little bit of background first. So what was your professional background? How did you get into this work? Why was leadership such an important topic for you? Give us the story. Yeah, well, my undergraduate education is in electrical engineering, which is <laughs> not exactly your normal background for <laughs> leadership development. But you know, anybody who knows me can agree with the statement that the, the world is a safer place because I'm not a practicing engineer. <laughs> so, you know, the issue of the topic of leadership really got to me in my late 20s. I was getting ready to start graduate school and I was waiting tables, uh, living in St. Louis, Missouri, in the center part of the United States here. Okay. And I had a fellow server who invited me to an open house for a marketing company. And I was going to be focusing on marketing in my graduate studies. And I was also at a time of life when the possibility of a free meal was very appealing. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, I'm marketing in a sandwich. I'm there. So I went and I assumed there'd be a little bit of a presentation of some kind. And when I got there, the only open seat was in the center of the room, which turns out to be a very important part of the story. Because about three minutes into what they were sharing, I realized what an open house for a marketing company actually is. It is a recruiting meeting for a multi-level marketing company. Uh. And now (laughs) I understand open house for marketing company. And you cannot (laughs) escape. (laughs) No. Well, I mean, I had some choices. So, so it, you know, and by the way, I have got nothing against MLMs. I know uh-huh. a lot of people have had their lives positively impacted, but I personally had no interest in selling water purifiers to my family and friends. Mm-hmm. And so I was in the middle of the room and I'm trapped in a sense, but I, I've got a choice. I can either make a scene and, you know, inch my way out of a very crowded room, or I can just be polite wait for the break, grab my sandwich, and and get out the door. And so I decided to be polite. And I'm really thankful that I did because what happened later on in the conversation is they started talking about what does it mean to be an employee? And it was like the dark cloud of doom and gloom entered the room. There was weeping and gnashing of teeth. It was, you know, it was all terrible. And that was the moment for me. I just checked out 
I didn't hear anything else in the presentation. The, the person up front became like Charlie Brown's teacher to me. <laughs> and I just sat there and thought, well, it doesn't have to be that way, does it? I mean, what if somebody said, hey, Tim, what is it like to work for Bruce? And what if my response was, it's, it's the most incredible blessing of my life. You can't believe how much we're achieving. I can't believe how much I'm growing. I can't believe how much even my, my family is considered in this equation of where I work. How come that's not the answer? And I feel like I feel like it could be if we were more effective leaders. And so that night launched me. I did leave at the break. <laughs> I did grab the sandwich. <laughs> and then I just started interviewing as many leaders as I had access to. And I had some very underdeveloped and naive thoughts around leadership at the time. But I just kept interviewing person after person. I, I would ask them the same question at the end of it, every interview, which is, who else should I talk to? And they would give me a couple of names and I would call them up and I'd say, hey, uh, Bruce said I should give you a talk. Oh yeah, Bruce. Okay. And, and uh-huh. people were so gracious with their time. But over the course of, of years, those interviews added up and added up and added up and eventually ended up in a leadership consulting practice and getting a chance to do some of the research that surrounds the work that I do today. So that's how I got started into this field. Yeah, that's a great story. And let's define leadership or let's kind of talk about what do we mean by leadership and maybe how it's different from some other terms. What is your kind of working definition? How do you kind of describe leadership given the kind of the context and the work that you do? Well, I like your I like when you say working definition because, you know, there's always opportunities for us to learn more. And uh, even if you've been at something for 20 years, there's a chance to learn a different edge, a different way of communicating something. And so I, I really appreciate that terminology. You know, I think ultimately when it comes down to it, leadership is about getting things done while also improving the capabilities of the organization, the people around you. I had a chance to be exposed to some folks who had worked at Procter & Gamble for a number of years, and they had a mantra there which basically said it's not enough to get the job done. You have to also increase the capability of the organization while you're doing that. And I thought that was very, very, very smart way to think about it because there's a number of different ways to increase capability. It could be through systems, but obviously also it could be through growing and developing the people that you are leading during the exercise. So I think, I think those two things are essential if we're really going to define what, uh, what leadership actually is. Yeah. And so my corollary question on this is, is there a right way to lead and a wrong way to lead? Is there, you know, are there single models or best practices around this? Or how, mm-hmm. how do you think about the, you know, what makes a great leader or what, what is a great leader? Yeah, well, certainly all those things you just said exist <laughs> in terms of in terms of opinions out there. I would approach it and probably leaning a little bit more into my engineering background on this is that there are more and less effective ways to lead. And some of that is dependent on the time frame you're looking at. So again, okay. if I'm if I'm following you, Bruce, and you say, hey, Tim, I want you to go over here and complete this really challenging task and I hesitate and then you pull a baseball bat out from underneath your desk there's a great chance you're going to get you're going to get activity out of me yeah. but that only works in the short term If I have options, if geography allows me to move around or if I've got enough talent that I've got other other options, I'm not going to stay in that situation for long. So there are short-term ways to get things done from a leadership standpoint. But I would say, you know, the 99% of the work that I do and that our organization does is about long-haul leadership success. What are the principles that can apply no matter what level you are in an organization, 
no matter what industry you're in, no matter what culture you're in, and that could mean country or company or any other things that contribute to culture, no matter where you are, what are the timeless principles that drive leadership success over the long haul? That is the conversations that we are in uh, with the bulk of the work that we do. Yeah. I'm curious if I feel a lot of folks, given that scenario you pose, right? Like, I I need you to go do that task. If not, I'm going to pull out my baseball bat. Um, (laughs) And because of pressure, they feel it's like a very zero-sum game. It's like, I can Mm -hmm. either get this task done now, or I can develop my people. But if I'm going to do one, I've got to trade off on the other. Is that the case for you? I mean, how do you get out of this zero-sum thinking when it comes to making these trade-offs and making these choices? Well, I I mean, that's a really well-stated question. And I think that in any given moment, if you're going to look at a very narrow window, there might be some options that you're making like this. But ultimately, I mean, let's, let's take a parallel here into the world of health. You know, any given day... I can eat a Twinkie, (laughs) you know, or six. It's not going to have a significant impact on me if I if I do that on occasion. But if I eat garbage every single day, and by the way, I hope my wife's not listening. Um, but if if I don't take care of my health, if I neglect that thing because it is important but not urgent. If I continually neglect that, then eventually I'm going to have a rather sizable problem. And so, yes, in any given moment, we might, hey, you know what? It's just faster for me to do it or it's just faster for me to tell you do one, two, and three than it is for me to teach you and develop you and create space for you to fail. I get that in any given moment. But if we do that over and over and over again, we're going to limit our leadership success in the long run because we become the bottleneck at that point. We're not enabling and growing the people around us that can carry the water and do a good job. And so if you repeat that over and over again, you're going to limit your success. Yeah. And when we, I guess when you're kind of assessing or evaluating a leader or someone in a leadership position, what are the things you're actually looking for? Like what, what are, what's kind of your checklist or the categories that you're kind of observing and scoring and, you know, helping to kind of understand where this person is in their leadership journey? Well, to get into that answer, I probably would like to jump into some of the research that we've been a part that of. That would be great. Right? Okay. Yeah, go for it. So there's a little backstory here. I was uh, working for a boutique uh, consulting firm, and we were bringing leaders up to the west side of Pikes Peak here in the in the U.S. and Colorado to put them through a number of leadership exercises. And as a part of that, we had them do a number of assessments. So one was a personality assessment. The another one was a natural ability assessment, and the third one was a leadership effectiveness 360. Okay. And we had a number of data points, and we said to ourselves, you know, our clients keep asking asking what's the magic mix you know what personality type plus natural ability gives me a you know a, a better than average shot of becoming a more effective leader what what should we be look what should we be looking for and so because we had the data we turned to our resident number cruncher uh, Vanessa Kiley and I said Vanessa let, let's take all of our data and let's see what we can find and i remember the night i went into Vanessa's office and i said so you know what'd you find and here's what she said she said nothing because there was no correlation. <laughs> I'm like waiting for it, waiting for it. Yeah. yeah. There was no correlation between any personality type, natural ability, and leadership effectiveness. And nor was there a correlation between any any part of those things. And I and I turned to go out of Vanessa's office and she said, But we did find something. I'm like, all right, I turn around. Like, turn well, back in, yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right, Columbo, you've got me. What did we find? And she said, well, it, it happened just specifically within our Leadership 360. And so we had eight areas of leadership that we were measuring in that 360. 
And Bruce, if you just think of a pizza, if it's divided up equally into eight slices, any two pieces of that pizza would be worth one quarter of the pizza, worth 25%. Uh And what the software, what the statistical software came back with is that two of our eight areas of leadership were driving just under 70% of the variability on our leadership effectiveness 360. Pareto's principle principle once again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and and we we weren't looking for this. I mean, it's part of the story that I really love, and maybe we were ignorant, but we weren't looking for it. She ran another data analysis on that a number of years later when we had 10 times the data points. And that variability percentage went from just under 70% up to 77%. So in other words, this wasn't some crazy anomaly that we found once. The more data we got, the bigger the correlation got. And so this gets back to your question around, around what are you looking for? But of course, because of course, you know, if I'm on the other side listening to this, tell me what those two exactly. were, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? Come on, Tim, you're killing me. So um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to fast forward years because it took me years to figure out what's going on. Yeah. It wasn't, I mean, it's one of those stories where once you see it, you can't unsee it, but sometimes it takes time for it to crystallize. So I have left the consulting firm. I'm sitting in my office. This is three years later. Mm-hmm. And I am looking at the eight areas of leadership on my whiteboard. And all of a sudden, it just, it was like, it was like a loud single note inside my head. Because as I looked at those eight areas, I realized that the two that were driving all of the variability were about who you are as a human being. And the other six were about what you do. And that's when it all kind of became reality for me at that point, which is to say three quarters of your effectiveness as a leader comes from who you are, not what you do. And that was... That was what the data said. And then, you know, ever since that day, I've been in countless number of conversations with leaders literally around the globe. And it holds in every instance that who you are, the leaders that we follow that make the biggest impact on us. And by the way, I don't mean that just positively. (laughs) It's also true negatively. They, it's emanating from who they are. And so what are those two things? I will finally answer that question, by the way. Those two things are inwardly sound and others focused. And so those are the things that that we look for first. Is this an inwardly sound? And of course, we can we can get into the details of that. Yeah. But the title itself says something, I think. You think about yeah. somebody who is sound, somebody you can count on, somebody that can take a punch, somebody that's not easily thrown off, and then others focused. They're showing up every day as a leader, not for the sake of their egos, not for the sake of their bank accounts, not for the sake of the next opportunity they're going to have, but they're showing up for the people they're leading. Inwardly sound and others focused. Focused. Those two things are really big pizza pieces of pizza when it comes to that uh, yeah. leadership pizza. And uh, what we want to do is find leaders and develop leaders who are really deep in being inwardly sound and others focused. Yeah, I'm curious what the other six were. I mean, you said that those are how you show up, just so we can understand the contrast. Yeah. So we want to think about they're they're really kind of in these kind of most typical aspects of leadership that you would see. You know, if we're walking through, if we're walking through the airport and you see the usual books about leadership. So the other six were set direction, think strategically, align resources, motivate and inspire, execute and follow through and develop talent. So those were the other six. Now, I got to be really careful here. We are not saying the other six don't matter. (laughs) What we're saying is foundationally, the bigger impact comes from who you are. But here's the, the analogy that we use is that of a tree. 
and that the six things I just mentioned, the what of leadership, is what we can see. That's the trunk and the canopy and the leaves and the fruit. But underneath, of course, are the roots. And so the story is about how does who make the what of leadership more effective? And that that variability in what we're doing as leaders is highly dependent on who we are, those roots that are underground. Yeah. And so how, how do you assess this? How do you evaluate uh, these two key factors when you're working with a leader? Well, we break them down into down into 11 qualities, which I realize sounds like a lot in connection between them. And so what we do is we really just dig into what does it mean to be, and then we talk about these 11 things and we create opportunities for people to essentially hold the mirror up to their own life and their own leadership and assess how well am I doing in these areas. Now, we are working on a more formalized assessment, which we'll hopefully have by the end of 2021. But in the meantime, honestly, (laughs) we're we're doing that because it would be a nice thing to have. But what we really find is that once leaders get into the process of looking at things, they're pretty capable in most cases, not all, but they're pretty capable to engage in the self-assessment process. That doesn't make it perfect, but it does get us a great start on what we're going to work on. So we just make sure that they understand the elements really clearly. And then we ask them, you know, what does that look like in real life? Where does that show up or where does it not show up? And then we work towards having uh, having those elements be a more a part of everyday leadership for those leaders. Yeah. When you phrase it as uh, who you are, Mm -hmm. it sounds very fixed. I mean, are these things that you can change, adjust, uh, flex around? Yeah. I mean, these are things that we can all grow into. So let let me share with you some of the lists. That probably would would clarify a little bit. Yeah. When we're talking about being inwardly sound, we talk about being secure and settled. So the opposite of that would be an insecure leader. And uh, we, I mean, we could probably get your listeners on here. We could have a whole show on the horrible stories of following insecure leaders because there's a, there's a lot of pain and suffering that goes along with that. So secure and settled, self-aware, principled, holistically healthy, purposeful, and emotionally mature. Those are the six things that we talk about around being inwardly sound. And we can do things. Let me just, I'll just take self-aware for one example. Yeah. We can do things to become more self-aware. We can look in the mirror a little harder. We can invite other people into the dialogue about how we're doing. And, and honestly, obviously that takes some courage mm-hmm. for, for many of us, but we can invite that into, invite them into that aspect. And usually we get to hear something that we might not have known before. And and frankly, sometimes that thing we didn't know is not on the negative side. It's on the positive side as well. Hey, you know how you regularly make sure that we understand, for example, you're great at deadlining things, but you do it in a way that causes us to feel like we're on the team with you, that we're not under your thumb. You're really great at that. Well, if you get that feedback from somebody, that could be something that you're just naturally great at and you wouldn't have even known that it mattered to the people around you unless they told them. That's part of self-awareness as well. So that's an example of how can we how can we grow in these things. Part of it is, hey, let's put a spotlight on it, and then we have some practices that we've developed with our clients over the years to say, we want to help you take steps in this. So that's the inwardly sound side. On the others focused side, we talk about being attentive, curious, empathic, humble, a Greek word called agapone, and again, emotionally mature. And you, you hear emotionally mature twice, not because it's more important than anything else, but because it has a foot in both worlds. 
of inwardly yeah. sound and others focused. And so we do practices around curiosity, for example. How can you become a more curious leader? And and the thing that we get really excited about working with leaders around and that I encourage every leader who's listening to be really focused on is it's not just about the actions. Yeah. Because because we both know. I mean, we all know. I can ask a question that isn't really a question. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, I can exactly. ask, right? That's the same how could you have possibly done that? Well, technically, that's a question. Uh, what it actually is is a statement that goes something like this. You are an idiot. I mean, that's exactly right. And so we don't, I mean, that's an extreme example, obviously. Uh-huh. But what we need, what we all need to understand as we want to become more more effective leaders is that we have to go deeper than the actions and behaviors. We have to look at our motive. We have to look at our perspective. If we're willing to do that, then we really can begin to work and develop on who we are at the core. And, and we love we love doing this work. It is so much fun to be able to walk alongside and support leaders who are doing this really hard work. Tell me a little bit about how this how you actually engage. Like when you're working with a leader, what does this look like? Are you sitting down in a conference room and talking to them? Are you observing them actually leading in scenarios? What's, yes. What is the yeah. process of working with somebody? Well, we actually have this couch that we... No, I'm kidding. We don't do that. <laughs> Leather, black. <laughs> no, that's right. Horse hair. That's right. I Please think it was have, horse hair he used. Yeah. <laughs> Please have a seat. No, most of our work is with executive teams, and it doesn't have to be executive. We've worked at every level from, from executive to the front lines, but more often than not, we've been with executive teams. And one of the things that we find to be really valuable is to have traveling partners. And what I mean by that is we'll take groups of three to four executives and put them together for usually, you know, usually it's about a year at a time. And the idea here is, is we want to create opportunity for those relationships to drive deep because it's that transparent exchange that really helps us grow and develop. And so we'll take, for example, I'll list off some of the things we were just talking about a moment ago. We'll take the concept of curiosity and we'll say, okay, for the next 90 days, each one of the small groups involved here is going to work on being more curious. And we challenge them to create something that we call a curious plan. And that sounds a little bit odd, but we give them some examples of what past groups have done. And I'll, I'll give you an example here in a second to kind of you know pull it out of the black box. Yeah. But our intention is for them to develop their own because we know they're going to have more ownership rather than just ordering something off the menu. Yeah. yeah, of course. And so we show them examples. And then for the next 90 days, they execute on that. We have a series of, of ways in which we encourage them to be doing some weekly journaling, meeting together, processing. And then at the end of the quarter, somebody from our staff will meet into individually with each of the people involved and we'll go through their experience over the over that quarter and then we get the whole group together again to unpack what that whole quarter of focus on curious was about and then we turn the page and say, okay, now we're going to work on being more attentive or more empathic, depending on the, the order of things. And so we take some time. There's three things that you hear in that that are really critical for trying to work on who, because this is, again, this is not skill building. It's something much deeper than that. Yeah. And the three things that we think are essential for working on who are depth, community, and time. And so depth is that part of picking up the rock of behavior and looking behind it to see the motives and perspectives. And so we want to make sure that we're going beyond the mere behaviors. Community, well, that's this idea that we operate in a group of uh, of four. And through that, 
I mean, we know, hey, hey Bruce, if, if you want me to work out, uh, it's way better that I have a partner, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if I'm going to show up. And so those small groups create accountability, but they also create additional opportunities to learn from somebody else's experience yeah. and to get feedback on their own. And then finally, time. And this is the one that business hates. I get it. It's like, Tim, can you just give me the matrix pill for this? <laughs> exactly. Like that. That, and I, I mean, that makes total sense. And trust me, if I had the matrix pill, I would give it to you. Well, actually, I probably wouldn't give it to you. I would charge you for it, but I would, you know, it would be available. <laughs> exactly. And basically, with very, very few exceptions, that's not how human development works. It takes time. But one of our one of our long-term clients who has done just an unbelievable amount of consistent and successful work in this space, he says this work is brushing your teeth. This is waking up every day, keeping these things top of mind, taking a small step forward every day, and over time, we become more well-developed who's. So this is kind of the the structure that we give to people. I said that I would share with you an example, so let me do that on the curious side. And by the way, I just what I'm going to share here is one of the best things that we encourage our clients to do. So I like yeah. run with this. <laughs> this is the this is uh, this is on the podcast, and this is this is something for you to take because it's really valuable. And I say that because. Because I didn't create this. Um, I, w- <laughs> I was taught this by Dr. Mary Shippey. So shout out to Dr. Shippey when she was doing some development work with me earlier in my career. And it's a very, very simple phrase. But let's say that you and I are in one of these small groups, Bruce, and our group mm-hmm. get together. And, and we said, look, there's something that we're committing to do 100 times in the next 90 days. And that thing is this. I'm going to use, we are going to use the phrase, tell me more about that 100 times in the next 90 days. That's what we've committed to. And watch what happens. There's two things that are going to happen if we diligently use that phrase genuinely over the course of a quarter. One thing is that we're going to get more information than we had before. Every single time, that's okay, small exaggeration. 98% of the time when I use that phrase, I learn something I didn't know. Now, now it's it's not usually 180 to know. Now, now it's it's not usually 180 degrees, didn't quite understand, or, hey, they're using that word differently than I do. By the way, that happens all the time. Oh, yeah. We're both speaking English, but we mean different things. Tell me what you, when you say this is going to be done soon, can you tell me what you mean by soon? <laughs> Classic. <laughs> because I might have a different view on that. Okay, great. I, I understand that. Of course, that's, that's a very simple, it can get more complicated than that. Mm-hmm. But the point is, I learned something new, and leaders are forever telling me that they have imperfect amounts of information. And I get that. Being curious is a way to get more information. But here's the other thing that happens that probably has a bigger positive impact in the long term, and that is relationships improve. I mean, leadership is nothing if it's not a relationship between the leader and the follower. And so once people are seen and heard and recognized, even if we don't agree with their perspectives or their assessments, there's something that begins to uh, bubble to the surface that's very, very positive. And so when you think about organizational life, I encourage everybody to think about it. We can look at a machine that's a series of gears, but organizations are essentially a series of relationships. And what happens when we have incredibly healthy leaders leading incredibly healthy cultures, what happens is it's the equivalent. And again, just giving credit to the people who have taught me things. This is Vanessa Kylie, back to the researcher who originally crunched the numbers. Mm-hmm. She talks about putting grease in the gears rather than gravel. And I think we've probably all been in organizations 
where it felt like somebody had dumped a ton of gravel in the gears. (laughs) And everything works hard because the relationships in this place are are damaged. They may not yet be toxic, but at least they're damaged. And so what we do through the process of being curious leaders is we improve the quality of our relationships because people, all of us, including us as leaders, we want to be we want to be recognized. We want to be seen. We want to matter really when it comes down to it. And so ultimately, being a curious leader, it not only gets us more information to make better decisions with, but it changes and improves the quality of our relationships. And that has a big impact on the long term. Tim, this has been great. If people want to find out more about you, about the work that you do, what's the best way to get that information? Uh, Easiest way to find us matches up with the title of the book. So that's the, T-H-E, only leaders, theonlyleaders.com. And um, we have a, you know, we have a sign up. We've got some additional resources for free that go along with the book and discussion guide and things like that. But there's a coupon code there. And I want to offer your listeners something for having, you know, listen to this. But, but you, Bruce, you get to pick the word that we put in the coupon code. So what do you want it to be? Ooh, well, let's use scaling up. Scaling up. Okay. Yeah. So if you go to theonlyleaders.com and you sign up to be a part of our contact list, if you put scaling up into the uh, coupon code, we would be happy to give you a, a free hour of consulting to work with you to talk through, you know, what are some of the strategies and initiatives that you have going on? And let's talk about how you can leverage what's most important about leadership to have those strategies be as successful as possible. And so we want to offer an hour to any of your listeners that come over and put scaling up in that code. Perfect. And I'll, I'll put uh, links in the show notes and I'll, I'll put that code in again so people Great. can click through and get that. Tim, thank you so much. I encourage everyone to take that. I, the content's amazing. And you know Tim's a great, great coach, great advisor and really helping leaders kind of discover this and, and figure out how to improve and and I always say, like, if you want to scale the business, you got to scale the leadership, right? So this is a, a critical part of the process. Great. Yep. Tim, thank you so much for taking the time today. I greatly appreciate it. Absolutely, Bruce. Thanks for having me. You've been listening to Scaling Up Services with business coach Bruce Eckfeld. To find a full list of podcast episodes, download the tools and worksheets, and access other great content, visit the website at scalingupservices.com. And don't forget to sign up for the free newsletter at scalingupservices.com slash newsletter. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.